0: Bridge Toll California customer service number Highway miles to the gallon Ford Focus Thailand Cave rescue operation What is schema F Best wine bars in San Carlos California Best Western Hotels How old is Ronaldo What happened with Big Gravel engagement? How long give? before a wedding should I send out and save the dates How many in the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email spots. clients Identify That's fonts where from where it. to find How Welcome to Mobile Optimization Week on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this week we're going to publish an episode every day covering what you need to know about the technical optimizations that will improve your performance and visibility on your mobile sites. Joining us for Mobile Optimization Week is Cindy Crumb, who's the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie, which is a mobile centric set of tools and APIs that help SEOs gain better insights into their mobile site performance. Outside of leading the charge at Mobile Moxie, Cindy is also the author of Mobile Marketing, Finding Your Customers No Matter Where They Are. And today we're going to start off Mobile Optimization Week by talking about the development of mobile SEO and the landscape of the industry as it exists today. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Here's the first installment of Mobile Optimization Week with Cindy Crumb, founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. Cindy, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks, Ben. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Excited to talk to one of the world's most renowned experts on mobile optimization.
1: I'm excited,
0: too. First off, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us about your background and and how did you become the preeminent expert in mobile ops?
1: Uh well, I I started by building really crappy web pages in front page years and years ago. Uh and then they weren't ranking and that's how I got into SEO. And uh when I happened to switch jobs in SEO, I got a fancy new phone and started searching on it and noticed that the results were very different and very bad. So I started researching it and writing about it. And that was around 2004, 2005, so before the iPhone that's kind of a claim to fame. I was doing mobile SEO before we had iPhones and app stores and all that stuff.
0: Back in the prehistoric days when when BlackBerry was king or at least yeah. still relevant and yeah. uh, and here we are today where we're optimizing across the iPhone, the iPad, the Apple Watch, everything named Android, Samsung phones blowing up in your pocket, the whole deal. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the Landscape of mobile SEO and how it's changed. You mentioned that you know you started off with a technical background and experience in SEO and sort of discovered mobile. Talk us through the timeline about where mobile optimization started and how has it changed to the point where we are today.
1: Sure. Um, so when I first started talking about mobile optimization, the .dot mobi sites were still a thing, and I had to convince people that having a separate domain for your mobile content, because a .mobi is a different domain than a .com, that was confusing for Google and that it was splitting their efforts, splitting their SEO uh, potential by putting mobile versions of a page on a totally different domain. So that's kind of where it started is like, hey, don't do that. And at the time people really... There weren't standards. There weren't like commonly adopted things. So people were testing out all this different stuff. If they didn't do .mobi, they were like, oh, should we do forward slash mobile and do like a mobile subdirectory or subdomain? And that was a big conversation for a while. Which is better? Mobile subdirectory or mobile subdomain if we're going to keep it all on the same domain? And I started talking actually... um, Even in 2005, I was talking about using style sheets to resize content. And that was before we had even the word for responsive design, but that's what I was describing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's come a long way from all of these questions. How do we do this? What's the you know, best way to organize separate mobile content? And then we got to the point where Google was like, listen, separate mobile content is really annoying for us indexing it. So maybe just do responsive. And for me, responsive was great because it allowed you to consolidate signals for the page and didn't, you know, avoided duplicate content. And then Google came out and said, yeah, do that. That's much better. And then things got really complicated with dynamic serving and selective serving and using the server to really, really hyper adjust what you're serving in a responsive setting. And that still happens to some degree, but a lot of it's more automated. We have image servers that kind of detect the phone size and send the right version of an image. So uh, it's just like the like anything else on the web, it took a while to figure out what was the best way to do it and then to consolidate and have everyone buy into the same kind of scheme or plan or idea of what's best to Google changing their mind a couple of times.
0: Yeah. I, the Just to summarize some of the things that you said that I, I think are interesting. I, I remember you know going in the Wayback Machine... When Jordan, the CEO of SearchMetrics, and I first started working together at eBay, um, it was around you know eBay investing heavily in mobile, and the vast majority of the traffic wasn't through the mobile app; it was through m.ebay.com, you know, a separate uh, domain. And I, you know, I understand how that can be uh, create problems for Google, and it seems like there was a. Google led industry shift to try to bring everything consolidated into one domain, and that brings up all of these other problems of how do you create these different experiences based on the different device. Yep. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the the landscape changes recently. Um, we're going to get into more details about this, but there's dynamic serving, there's AMP, there's you know basically using a code base that's changing. For mobile and desktop, where do we stand today? Are we in still the teenage years of mobile development? Are we in, you know, college? Uh, you know how how far along is mobile development in your eyes?
1: Let's see. That's that's a brain teaser. I would have to say, if if mobile is going to get where I think it's going to get, then we're actually not even in teen years yet. We're more like preteen. And the, t- the big growth spurt is going to be PWAs and API-oriented content where uh, we get less and less focused on websites as a presentation layer and more and more focused on content and data being multimodal and cross-device. So for instance, we've built all these websites thinking that people are always going to have screens but that's not how google envisions the future of the web
0: H- hence the the focus on the google assistant and google voice
1: right exactly if google when they started they decided you know we want to index the information of the world and seos took that to mean the websites of the world but there's information that's not in websites that Google wants to. And for a long time, Google has been like forcing the issue and saying, no, but put it in a website. And that's not good for developers. It's not good for brands. If the content wasn't meant to be in a website originally and works better in something else, don't force the issue. But everyone, SEOs are like, that's the way it is. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But we were actually just accommodating Google's shortcomings.
0: That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Give me an example of where content isn't in a website where Google wants access to that information.
1: Product, data, product specs.
0: Product, data, and product specs. What do you mean by that? I mean, to me, all of the product, data, and product specs, that's all... Part of the e-commerce landscape, right? That stuff has right. to exist on a website because people want to buy against it.
1: Yeah, but people don't necessarily want to buy against it from your website. They'd rather search for it and have not have to navigate necessarily your website a more standard way. Like if I want a black dress, how many websites do I have to go to to look at black dresses to find the right one? Or if Google had all the product specs and inventory, then I could just go to Google and search for the all the black dresses that would fit me and that would fit the occasion and look there and they can aggregate it based on product specs and, and inventory rather than making me go into all these separate websites.
0: I just assume if you're doing anything e-commerce related, you go to Amazon.
1: Right. Amazon. And, and that's a huge threat to Google. Google hates that. Hence, this launch uh, that was announced earlier this week about the... What do they call it? The Merchant Center. Merchant Center used to be just for PLAs, product listing ads, where you would upload an XML feed of all your products, inventory, and specs. And it was for paid. And they've just opened it up for... They're not calling it organic, but they've opened it up for non-sponsored product listings, right?
0: Unpaid, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but that's organic. That's gonna. We have to. I I think we'll talk about this in a separate uh, episode. But that's that's a game changer. So
0: tell me, you know, when we think about the the landscape, I know I gave you the question about, you know, are we in the college teenage years? You you think we're still very much in the early phases of. Mobile optimization because to you mobile is not just mobile website optimization but multimodal, basically non-screen driven search. Yep. Let's just focus on some of the more near-term optimizations that are affecting SEOs today. I, I do, I to, do totally understand how the future of mobile optimization is going to be multimodal. It's going to be screenless, but. For the purpose of this conversation, let, let's exclude voice. Let's exclude, uh was the Tom Cruise movie, The, the Vanilla Sky or, or whatever it was where he's using his hands and just walking up to a board and projecting a screen that doesn't exist. Exclude all the future stuff and talk about something with a screen in front of us. What are the, the main places where SEOs need to focus to optimize their existing sites?
1: Video. Uh, if you think about the way that the media is changing as a whole, uh, everyone's cutting cables. Cable cutters are a big deal. And Google wants to be there so that Amazon doesn't serve that market too. Uh, so people expect now their video content, TV and movies and music, basically to be on demand. They don't want to have to buy it. And they want an a la carte subscription, if a subscription at all. And so being able to surface video easily, whether it's on your website or part of YouTube or both, that's a big, big deal because it's filling a void that we know about, right? People are canceling their cable subscriptions, but that doesn't mean that they don't want media, they don't want entertainment. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and people are getting more used to using video as a way to answer questions.
0: And from a technical perspective, when you're doing mobile SEO optimizations, I know that there's tools like AMP and and getting into things like code debt. Some of the topics we're going to dive into a little bit deeper. Uh, what are some of the the technical optimizations or tools or technologies that are being built that you think are coming to the forefront that are important for SEOs to, to study and be aware of?
1: Yeah. So AMP is great, but maybe not for all the reasons you might think. So... AMP is great because it speeds things up and that helps conversion, helps engagement, creates a better user experience. But one of the ulterior motives or side benefits, depending on where you stand, of AMP is that Google hosts the AMP content. And uh, what we believe, what we're seeing in our own research is that anything that Google hosts gets a benefit because they understand it better. They understand the relationships between it and other things. And because when they host it, they can crawl it at their leisure. They know when it's changed and they can recrawl it. And they also can reuse it or lift it. And you see this the most with AMP stories. AMP stories are collections of information on one topic that Google is lifting from a variety of AMP resources, not all the same story or resource. And they're recompiling them into animated slideshows that provide more information on one topic than any of the singular AMP articles would. And so the example that Google uses in their documentation for this is a celebrity, Giaria, I can't say her name, from Food Network. So in her knowledge graph, you can click through to an AMP story. And what it is, is a couple video clips, a couple factoids about how old she is, where she was born, yada, yada. And it's combined into this animation slideshow. But those things, those facts, those videos, those images are from a variety of different AMP pages, not just one.
0: Fascinating. So my takeaway from what you're saying, you know, the first things when I ask about the current landscape and some of the things that SEOs need to think about in terms of mobile optimization, your answers are very much content-centric in the sense of rich media, right? It's video, it's creating the imagery and the short-form contents that can be put together, kind of like what you're seeing with Facebook and Instagram in stories or short form content, little bursts of text like what we're seeing in Twitter. And so Google is also trying to take advantage of you know the on-demand nature of people's expectations where they want faster, shorter form content.
1: Yes. And the, the engagement that people are getting used to on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, people stay in those apps because it's engaging, because it's creates a dopamine hit, whatever it is, people like that experience. And Google feels threatened by the social networks too, right? Google is protecting its kind of ground as the place that you start your internet experience, whether or not you realize it's an internet experience. And so if people are finding all their funny cat videos in Facebook instead of YouTube, that's a problem for Google, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they can recreate that, either as an answer to a search or as some other kind of experience, like in the Google feed, if you're on an Android phone, they create a feed of topics that they know you care about. And they surface content in the same way Yahoo RSS feed readers might in the old days. They're kind of trying to do that based on what you've explicitly said you care about and what you've searched for before. Um, So if all I ever search for is cat videos, bam, like they're auto populating cat videos into my news feed which is where on an android phone it's one of the places you can start a google search
0: interesting okay lots to cover for the rest of mobile optimization week i think that you know when we think about the current landscape today where Reaching some level of maturity when it comes to optimizing for the screen and there's, you know, more tools that are coming out. We're going to get into a little bit of a deeper dive into some of those tools that you can use that are actionable for today. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the future of mobile optimization and, you know, moving towards a screenless environment as well. So lots of ground to cover and uh, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Cindy Crum, the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in reaching Cindy, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Suzix, S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is mobilemoxie.com. And Cindy's been kind enough to offer a free month of Mobile Moxie service. For listeners to this podcast, you can use the promo code SEARCHMETRICS in all cap, S-E-A-R-C-H-M-E-T-R-I-C-S. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S, dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you want to talk about this podcast, you can find a link to my contact information in our show notes, or you can send me a tweet at ben J. Shapp, benjshap. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning to discuss Cindy's view on the impact of Google moving to a mobile first crawl. Lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and you feel generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember the answers are always in the data.